0: Sì, si will me come.
1: Carina,
0: I hope you're doing well today. I see a lot of bicycles out there. How many of you rode your bicycle today? Look at you. Way to go. I think we should tell them good job. That's pretty That's pretty nice. It's kind of bike to work week and so we said let's uh, do that. So all weekend we've had a lot of bicycles here and Way to go. Be self uh, safe, and I hope you take a nice little ride today a little later on. We are going to take about five minutes or so and introduce you to someone who you're just going to love. I have such deep respect and appreciation for Laren. Everyone say Laren. It's just like Darren, only with an L. So I'm used to that with Derry. I always right. say it's just like Gary with a D, and then people get it. But uh, Panama is a place that we want to go to. And Larry and his family, the Trumans, as you saw, wish they could have been here. But uh, you've been there for a while. How long have you been in Panama? Well,
1: we've been in, actually, we've been in Central America now for yep. about 12 years. Yep. And so now we're actually moving to Panama at the end of July.
0: And uh, we want to have some projects maybe in Panama. So Laren has agreed to come and spend some time with us, and we're looking at where we might want to go.
1: Tell us a little bit about what you do, and then uh, we'll talk in a minute about kind of what we might do together. Certainly. Well, first of all, I just want to say a thank you to each and every one of you. Uh, a lady after the, the previous service came up to me and said, Laren, I've been praying for you for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, your church and you have been faithful to support us and to pray for us now for 12 years, and you've been working through partnership. And and so I want to thank you for that. But we've been working We're working in four main areas of reaching, planting, training, and touching. In each and every one of those areas, we're doing something specific and something unique uh, to meet physical needs, uh, meet spiritual needs, and reach the lost. The first area of reaching, we are uh, directors of an evangelistic drama where we go in to train 40 to 50 people uh, to do a presentation to reach their communities for Christ. Uh, Every time we do a presentation, literally hundreds of people are coming to Christ because of your faithfulness. And, And we've seen incredible testimonies of people saying I never thought my family member would come to Christ but there they are giving their lives to Jesus and the incredible thing is that a year later we'll have retained over 33% one third of those will still be in our church and have gone through a discipleship program the second area which we've been working in is the area of planting and and what that has to do is with new church plants and new church construction we were able to build 12 churches uh, this last term on the field with friends like you helping us to to build tabernacles and in the third area which we, we Believe so strongly in is the area of training We know that as we train people Then the gospel message of hope and salvation will Continue to other generations that come And so we started a Bible school in a remote Part of the country where literally nobody Wanted to go but the Lord sent us there And and so we started that school we've already graduated Two classes it took three years uh, For each one of those to go through the program And now many of those uh, people Who have graduated are are pastoring Congregation in these remote mountain Areas uh, where there's no parking Lot outside friends They, they just tie up their horses. And and inside the church, uh, there's a a dirt floor. But when you go there, you sense the presence of God Almighty. You feel the the passion and the need. And it's just a wonderful thing that you and I have an opportunity to invest our lives in that. And then the fourth area of which we've been strategically working is in the area of touching or compassion ministry through food distribution, through medical outreach, through clothing, so on and so forth. And I want to tell you just a quick story testimony about a man named Mauricio. Met Mauricio and he uh, uh, was planting a brand new church and and he was an asador de escolas and what that means he was a broom maker and the Lord called him to plant a church in the community of Los Cedros and I met him and I said uh, as I heard his story and we went to what was his church Pastor Derry it was nothing more than a piece of plastic hung outside a home. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Laren, you need to help him. I said, Lord, let's do it. We'll we'll do it. And we'd received a a container of food. And and I said, we could borrow a piece of property for a week and pray to God will give it to us for a lifetime. And so he went to the mayor's office and asked him to borrow that piece of land. And friends, the land that the mayor's office lent us was the local trash dump. And so we took the trash dump, we cleaned all the property, we put up a tent and, and days later we had over 400 head of households come and we shared Christ's love with them. We gave them food that would last them a couple of weeks and we ministered to them and we came back time and time again meeting their physical needs. Today I'm happy to tell you that after a year we were given the title to the property. I'm happy to tell you today, to report to you, because of your faithfulness, that now there's a church of over 125 adults. There's 125 children in their children's ministry, and they have outstations throughout the community. And, and friends like you helped us to build a tabernacle that cost $5,000 Pastor Derry, And then we finished the church, and it's just an incredible testimony of once where there was garbage, now stands wow. life and salvation and hope for many people to come
0: isn't it just like God to take that place and give it to redeem it and uh, I'm just I'm thankful that you're telling us this kind of stuff well it, it's about $5,000 to build a tabernacle I don't know how many we want to build depends on how much we give we're going to take an offering for this at the end of our service today but but I know this how many of you've ever wanted to go to Panama it's a great place and very american friend, friendly and so we're going to kind of look at a trip uh 2010 next year and, and go and build some of these tabernacles and the areas that Laren kind of directs us to. We're going to go check it out and see and get a feel. And then, you know, if you want to go, it's kind of a construction trip. So we'll be, you know, working on these buildings. It's mostly metal construction. Right, correct. Right. Then, then we may, after we build that tabernacle, we're talking about what would it be like to build the facility Then bring in like a medical teams and serve the community, healthcare needs, and then maybe even some worship and and meetings at night to just kind of do a full blown, you know, two weeks, three weeks kind of thing to really say to the community, we love you and uh, and we want to make a difference. So obviously, Laren is our man on the ground for that. It's a lot of work. It takes time and energy, but pray about that. We have a sheet in the back of the table. Meet the missionary. Laren will be back there. Stan will be back there that just says I'm interested in Panama and give us your email address it's not signing up to go on a trip it's just it's the first starting point for us to get a group of emails together to say if we do it we'll tell you when what the cost and all that so that you'll at least be in that loop when the time comes that sound fair there's one other sheet out there for China That we're looking for a kind of a smaller group of mostly medical professionals if you have an interest in going to china this september go talk to stan at the table about china that would be great but i want to pray for larry i've kind of you know i've learned some spanish growing up and my sister said (laughs) things to me and so i i asked larry if i could just you know have him interpret for me because i like it's kind of fun to speak through
1: just, just curious how many people speak spanish here Oh, okay, good. okay, good,
0: good, good. That's, that's really good. Well, my first phrase that I learned was, Cállate la boca ahora mismo.
1: Yeah, uh, basically he said, shut your mouth right now. Shut your mouth yeah. right now. Yeah. No,
0: not, That's why my sisters were saying that to me. That's yeah. why it just got burned into my brain. I'm yeah. glad I didn't know what they were saying. The other phrase I learned was, Quieres que te rasgue tu cara. Uh,
1: basically that means, uh, do you want me to scratch your face?
0: <laughs> okay. I, th-
1: I wonder if they really meant, do you want me to scratch your eyes out or something like that, but... <laughs> but nevertheless
0: well these are some christian phrases that i've learned through the years that that help you know in in, uh in church fights and stuff like that so
1: that's
0: great lord we are so thankful for laren and his family thanks for the trumans they've given their lives to this and um it's so fun to have him here and thank you for just the, the 12 years we've partnered with him we're a part of all these stories that he's telling us and thanks for bringing him here and putting him in front of us and letting us pray and have a face and a A person that we know we can pray for effectively. So bless and encourage and be their strength in your mighty name. Amen. Let's say thanks to Lauren Truman. God bless you, Lord. So great. So great. I just love that. I love that. Doing good? You look great, man. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you look better than I thought you were going to look. (laughs) <laughs> you surprised me today. <laughs> hey, Summit tonight, man. If you haven't been to Summit, it's kind of the orientation to Timberline. Bonnie and I really want to meet you. Just show up at 5 o'clock, bring the kids, we'll feed them. It'll just be a fun night, so that'll be great. Hey, we've been in a series um, uh, just the last couple of weeks called Portraits of Jesus by John. And what we've done is we've taken the book of John, the Gospel of John... Because he's such a unique writer. Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of wrote from a certain angle. But John sort of stops and just pulls out stories of Jesus. So you get a lot of stories. And so we uh, uh, thank you to David Clack. I don't know if David's here, but he's helped us put all this together and all this wonderful artwork and so many others who have helped. But today, the portrait that we are using is a portrait of a well with a bucket on the side because we're talking about Jesus, the life giver today. Jesus, the life giver. And what does it mean to drink the water that He wants to give us? You know the story in John chapter 4. We actually call the story, The Woman at the Well. The Woman at the Well. And it's it's a pretty well-known story. But I want to kind of walk through that verse by verse today. And I want to pull out some thoughts uh, about how Jesus is the life giver. I have learned, and so have you, that some people, when you're around them, Just give you energy and make you feel good. You want to be around them. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's like, you sort of look forward to seeing them. You just, oh, they, that, that person always makes my day, or they always seem to bring this, or they have a good word for me. They, you know, and then there's other people who maybe on the other side of that would be, I don't, I don't have a good way to say, maybe they, they sort of drain life out of you a little bit. You know, you know what I mean? It's just, just kind of suck life right out of you. You just, after being with them a while, it's like, it's just tough. And, uh, here's the, you know, I wonder, I wonder which person you are. Cause here's the thing. Do you think the people who drain other people know that? Do you think they know it? What do you think? Yes or no? Probably not. I don't think they like wake up in the morning and say, I'm gonna go suck some life out of people today. <laughs> I'm gonna make them miserable. I don't. I don't think that's in their heart. I think it's just the burden of life is so big and so real that as they talk and explain and, and they share their life, it's just, it becomes a drain and a pull. And so, if I don't know which I am, if, if I was one of those, I mean, I would want someone to tell me, but, you know, not right now. Don't lean over and talk to anybody, okay? But it is interesting that, that you and I can choose to have life abundant through Jesus. And we can become life givers if we know the source of life. And I want that for Timberline. I want that for you and me. And here in our living room today, let's talk about that. What does it mean to offer something that makes a difference in other people's world? Uh, On the back of your bulletin as we walk through the story, I think I have four or five observations that all are about Jesus and how He does it. So we're learning from the best, the Son of God today. All of these start with Jesus. Number one, Jesus views people without labels. Jesus views people without labels. How true that is. He does not categorize you. He does not say, oh, you're that, so I can't really... I don't want you in my my world. Jesus, in this story, John chapter 4, verse 1. Follow along. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Verse 9. This is where it gets interesting. The woman was surprised. For Jesus, for, excuse me, Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why? Basically, she's saying, Why are you talking to me? You know, you're asking me for a drink. And Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, And who you were speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Here is a breakthrough in culture. The Samaritans and the Jews did not like each other. As a matter of fact, the Samaritans built their own temple that they worshipped in, so they wouldn't even have to be a part of Jerusalem. They they lived in a certain region, obviously called Samaria, but they had all these differences. As a matter of fact, if you look on a map and look at some of the pathways they had, The Samaritans would walk a different route to go to the same location as the Jews would, but they both had different ways to get there. And that was so they wouldn't have to talk to each other or even encounter each other. So it was a big deal when Jesus is sitting at the well and the Samaritan woman, and she's there at the wrong time of the day anyway. When did women come to the well traditionally? In the morning to get the water for the day. She's not there in the morning. Why not? she has a history. She's been polarized by many of the women in her city. And Jesus lets that go. He lets the fact that she's a Samaritan go. And He just starts a conversation. She's blown away by that. You know, sometimes being someone who offers life to people means we climb over the walls that our cultures create. It means we break down doors. We don't let those doors exist because we are people who don't label others how do we label other people I, i've thought a lot about this we we do it through race obviously prejudice is a huge thing in our world today and we sort of label someone by by their ethnic group can money create categories for people we talk about social class what social class are you in where do you fit how can i do that it's a huge label it's a huge category jesus overlooked all of that can education do that yeah it really can when someone lords something over someone else, or you feel insecure because of this, or you know, there's, it just creates a change in how we act, how we uh, uh, interact with other people. Appearance can do that. There's so many factors that cause us to do that. I, it's kind of. Here's what's interesting: you look at two pair of jeans made out of the exact same material, okay, and you put a label on one of them, especially depending on the kind of label it is. And sell it for three times more. Now, what's up with that? <laughs> because that label is important to someone. That label means something. I'm sometimes saying to my kids yeah, but it's the same material. No, these last a lot longer. I'm like, That's because you take better care of them. <laughs> you put that label on something, and, and, and either one comes with holes when you buy them. Have you noticed this? That label, filling out a card the other day, and, and they wanted me to circle one, and it said Mr., Mrs., Ms., Ms., Reverend, Doctor. It was just all these, all these things across the top. Why? Because they wanted to categorize me. They wanted me to fit in a certain thing. They want to know I'm this or that. And so we use these labels, these ideas, and Jesus said, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. I want to know you. I don't want to just know your label. I don't want to just know what category you're in. I want to know you. Jesus, the one who gives life, wants to know you. And it's interesting to me that He knows everything about you. And He loves you more than anyone could ever love you. He knows the stuff you're hiding from everyone else. Number two, look at this story. Number two is this. Jesus lives out the tell me more principle. Now, if you don't know what the tell-me-more principle is, I talk about it quite a bit around here, but I'm talking about it again today because it's exactly what this story is about. Verse 11. I'll explain the tell-me-more principle in a minute. Verse 11. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now, he's moved on to a spiritual discussion. She doesn't know it. This is kind of funny. She says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I won't ever be thirsty again and I won't have to come to get the water at the well. She's like, it'll save me a trip if I can drink some of this water so often what the case is. But then we come to this moment where Jesus goes right down to the heart. He says in verse 16, go get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. He's saying, you're being honest, you're telling me the truth. You've had five husbands and you're not married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly did speak the truth. See I he even compliments her for being honest? You did speak the truth when you said you don't have us And then one of the funniest lines in Scripture, it's just hilarious, she says, Sir, you must be a prophet. <laughs> yeah, he's just told her whole life, I'd say, yeah, that's a pretty good guess. Um, she's blown away right now. She's like sitting back on her heels going, oh my goodness, how does he know this about me? Um, and yet he's not trying to embarrass me. He's trying to get to the core of my life. He's trying to want to talk about issues that have embarrassed me. Do you know what's weird to me is that typically in conversation when we meet people we start with, hey, how's it going? Fine. What do you do? Where were you born? What you know? Where do you work? What's your family? Do you have kids? Do you have you know. And it's it's all the kind of exterior stuff. Jesus, he's like, let's just go right to where the pain is. Let's just go right to why I came, and that's to heal you and make. You change from the inside. You know, I don't know what that would look like for us to. I don't, I'm not recommending you walk up to someone you've never met and say, Sir, I need to know your deepest sin and I'm going to help you with it today. Please don't try that, okay? But there is something about a willingness. It's the tell me more principle. I, uh, Bonnie and I were going through Montana a couple of years ago and we were hungry and it was kind of in between a breakfast and lunch thing. And we hadn't had breakfast so we thought let's stop and get kind of a brunch thing. It was about 10 o'clock. There's this little diner. This is in a tiny, you know those little tiny towns you just go through? And these diners are just so... Full. I love them. And my wife isn't crazy about them, but she puts up with them because of me. And so we go into this little diner, and, and it is perfect. There's like four tables max. Three of them are booths, and they all have like the orange vinyl on it. And it's like cracked, and the cotton stuff sticking out. You know what I'm talking about? And, and it's got the wood sticky table, and it's got a glass window that hasn't been washed in five years. And, and it's just perfect. You know, it's just perfect. And you just walk in there, and you, you sit down. And there was no one in there. I, just, I said, Hello? And the sign said open and Bonnie and I sit down and she said, Are you sure you want to be in here? I said, Yeah, this is perfect. So So finally this lady comes around the corner and she's this 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 kind of sixty something skinny, really tan biker, kind of leathery skin, tatted up, uh pierced up. Lady she walks right over to our table and she uh says, You want water? Okay. Just rough, kind of this low, rough voice. I'm thinking, wow, there's a here's a story here somewhere. And, and uh and she didn't say anything else. And I tried to talk to her, she's just real, she turns around walks away, she said, Oh, here's a menu, decide what you want, I'll be back in a minute. She's like, We're the only ones in here, where are you going? So she walks out, it's like five minutes goes by. Finally she comes back out. And Bonnie and I are kind of getting tickled at the whole thing and, and finally I said, Okay, Bonnie. I, I'm going to ask her a question. So I just want us to observe this. And, and she comes back. She has her little pad. You know what you want? And I said, can I ask you a question? She said, sure. I said, could you tell me about those tattoos? Because she had these amazing tattoos. And she said, oh, honey. She set her, her, her <laughs> deal down. <laughs> oh, honey. She said, this, this is my daughter. And a beautiful and she did, this is her daughter, and this is the story, and when they were, and this means this, and this is a symbol of the wind, and this, what happens is, and she's saying, and then I've got one, let me show you this one. It's like, whoa, like, whoa, 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 no, no, we, we got, well I don't need to see all your tattoos, I just, just, the daughter's fine, let's stick with the daughter. With. She, I mean, she just talked and talked, she ended up sitting down at the table with us. All because someone said, tell me more. Someone said, tell me about that. Let's be a church that models Jesus' role to say, you can tell me about that, even if it's painful, even if it's stuff you don't like. Don't be afraid of that. Let's be the people of God. Number three, this gets even better. Jesus will journey with you through the depth of your pain. Jesus will, will go with you. He doesn't just bring it up, open the box, and walk away, and you're left sobbing, going, oh, great, thank you very much. Because we, we do a good job of packaging our pain and hiding it. Burying it down there somewhere because it's not pleasant to bring it up. But Jesus will journey with you all the way through it. This woman was filled with pain. She had a history. Think of her life and what it was like. She didn't come to the well with the other ladies because who knows how many of those men had been with her. And all this baggage. You do understand the word baggage. How many of you have baggage? Yeah, it's everybody. Come on, it's everybody. We all have baggage. And Jesus loves you even with your baggage. And He's not afraid to journey through your baggage. He is someone who wants to hear about your pain. Not everyone does. I get that. But He does. We, a couple months ago, Erica, our, one of our daughters who was graduating from CSU, so they had a little party at their house and... And we were cooking burgers. I was out on the deck. I was the official cook, you know. And we're cooking burgers and brats and and the healthy stuff. You know what I mean? And I'm flipping and we're having a great time. People are coming and going. And the house is filling up with people. And all of a sudden there's this little guy, Nathan, who is uh, almost three. Nathan Woodall. Some of you know Craig and Renee. This is their son. He is a tank. This kid, he just he's just got this big body and he's so... High energy, and he just runs around. He just runs into stuff and bounces off. And he just—he's just a great kid. I just love him. He's just really animated. And anyway, he's coming out to the deck, and you know the glass door that slides has a little threshold, and and he he tripped over that little threshold there, and he fell onto the deck, and he had his elbows out, and he kind of slammed them hard. And, And he kind of had that moment where he wasn't sure how bad he was hurt, you know, and he got up and he grabbed his arm and he looked up at me, kind of a stranger, and he kind of looked away and, and, and he looked, walked over to this table and looked up at this other person and he's holding his arm and he kind of looked away. He just, probably 10 seconds goes by and he spins around and then his mom walks out onto the deck and he goes, mommy runs over to grabs her leg like I broke my arm (laughs) you know why he did that is because he found somebody who he knew would care about his pain he didn't know if I would care I would have so would that other person but he didn't know us that's why it's imperative for us to be people who when people have pain in their life they can talk about it with us even if it does drain us in that moment that we will be life-giving people like Jesus model Jesus says you can tell me the stuff in your life that embarrasses you we all have it bring your embarrassments to God bring those things to the Lord he cares don't run away from your pain bring it to him number four Jesus offers a meaningful solution. Now, He's about to say something that's going to rock her world pretty big, but let's just get right to it. Verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the One who is called Christ. Now, look at this statement of hope she's about to make. When He comes... He will explain everything to us. In other words, all the confusion, all the messed up culture we're in, He's going to explain it all. Then Jesus said, I am the Messiah. It's like, I'd love to have been there when her eyes light up and she's thinking, this could be true because you know all about me and you're breaking all the cultural rules and oh my goodness. You know what this is? This is one of those moments when in her mind, she went from past to present in terms of saying, when the Messiah comes, then we're going to get some answers. It's kind of like when you say, you know, um, when I gain some weight, or when I lose some weight, or when I get that job, or when I win the lottery, or, you know, when the dog dies, or hopefully you're not saying that, or when. We we all have these little phrases. It's like, when, da-da-da-da-da, then, da-da-da-da-da. And Jesus steps in the middle and says, it's today. The win has happened. And she's just at this moment. See, that's the moment Jesus wants with you now. It's happened. He has come. This is an answer to your problem. Jesus, the Messiah, is yours. Powerful. She doesn't know what to do with that. She doesn't know what to do with that. It's such a picture of hope. Number five and lastly, and I wrap it up with this, Jesus empowers you to make a difference. He really does. Guys, Jesus wants you to live on full, to be a life giver, and he wants you to feel empowered to go out there and make a difference in the world you live in, wherever it is, whatever neighborhood it is, whatever country it is. He wants you to make a difference. Verse 27. Now, sorry, this is funny again to me, because it's just an awkward moment for the disciples. It's hilarious. Verse 27. <laughs> just then his disciples came back. Remember, they were buying food. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? <laughs> I get you to see him going. Guys, he's with a woman up there at the well. And Peter's like, let's go ask him. Let's go find out. Can't you just see, you know, they're, they're deciding what, what, what we should... And she's a Samaritan. A Samaritan? Yeah. Why is he talking to her? Well, I don't know. So they don't say anything. Isn't that just like us? Verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone. Look at her message now. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see Him. We go from this awkward moment with the disciples not sure why He's doing what He's doing. Because that's such a tension that we live with. What is God up to today? Why is He up to this? Why is He caring for that person? Why does He love that person? They don't deserve it. How could God forgive them? It's all those awkward moments. And suddenly this woman goes back to her village and says, you've got to come and see this man who has life-giving words who changed me forever. I think He's the Messiah. You can read the rest of the story. That city was turned inside out. They came. They believed because of the words of Jesus in their life. What does all that mean? Well, there's a little line in this story that I think gets overlooked a lot because of the power of her testimony. It has to do with her water pot. This is the original water pot that she had at the well (laughs) that day. I'm just kidding in case you think I'm serious. You'd be surprised what people think sometimes. Um, The Bible says she left her pot at the well. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Why'd she come to the well? Water. That was her whole purpose in being there. She sets her pot down. And she starts talking to Jesus. Jesus offers her water that if she drinks of it, she'll never thirst again. She's so excited. See, that pot is a burden. It's heavy. you ever carried a water pot? I mean, they're heavy. And it was a hassle. She was so changed that she left her water pot at the well. And she turned to walk because she had a message of life now she herself was becoming a life giver because of the words of Jesus and her burden stays at the well you guys that's a picture for someone in this room right now some of you have a burden you've been carrying and you pick it up everywhere you go and you need to bring it to who Jesus is and let him give you life there's a spiritual connection to your physical need I don't care what it is you can leave it today in this place and walk out of here with the words of life that's what Jesus wants let's pray Lord thank you Thank you so much that we can leave the water pot at the well. With heads bowed in this room, I just want to pray over some of you. You would say, I have a burden. I can't carry this thing. I've got to leave it here. I brought it in with me today, thinking I needed this. But I know Jesus is what I need. And I'm going to leave this pot here. I'm going to leave this water. I'm going to leave this burden here today. When I walk out of here, I'm going to go refreshed by the presence of my God and I'm going to own that. And I'm going to be a life giver because of His words to me. If that's you, let me pray over you. Just hold up a hand. God, thank you for these honest people who are just saying, I leave it here. I lay it down. I can't do it anymore. I can't carry it. I trust you. Thank you for meeting me at the well. Secondly, I want to pray for those of you that would say, I want to be more of a life giver than a life drainer. Because I'm not sure what I am. And, and if you think you might be one of those that drain people, I don't want you to raise your hand. It's very personal. There's a time when you need to dump the laundry out and let people help you. I get that. But in a general sense, I want, I want to ask you to, to feel the challenge today to be a person who takes the water that Christ gives you and pour it around the places you live and offer more than problems. Offer life in the name of Jesus. We have to take what we don't have sometimes because we get it from His well, not our own. Just own that offense. You say, Lord, help me with that. Help me to be a life giver like you were. Help me to say, tell me more. Help me to live that in my attitudes at work. Help me to be interested in others and not just myself. And then lastly, and this is pretty specific. Some of you have labeled some people. It could be a people group. It could be prejudice. But it could be someone very close to you. I hear spouses even sometimes saying, oh, my husband, he's always like that. He'll never change, or she'll never change. Well, they'll never change if you keep that label on them. I'm going to ask God to undo that in some of you today, to believe again in your kids, to believe again in your parents, to believe again in that friend who walked away from you. And this is really specific, I'm sorry, but I need to say this, I'm saying it every service, I felt like God really prompted me almost prophetically, and I'm not weird about this, but there's a grandpa that's going to be here this weekend who has labeled his grandson. And it's not that you've totally given up on their life, but you've been disgusted with, with something in your grandson's life and you don't know how to reach him. And I'm just am supposed to say this to you. You may be the only voice through time that can keep a bridge built to that young man. Don't burn that bridge. Don't label that kid. His life is still being formed. You speak into his life at the levels you can, okay? Lord, help us all right now to be the people of God, the army of God. And help us not to label people. Help us to find the Samaritans. (laughs) Help us to find those people that we don't have a lot in common with and to break the boundary and to love fully and to release the water of life that you have so freely given us. In your precious name we pray it. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. You guys, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're doing it. You're getting it done. We're going to wrap up by singing a song together.